right, good evening and welcome in the latest edition of Vern's Hot Stove here on your home for Royals Baseball 610 Sports Radio. My name is Josh Vernier. I am the Royals Insider for 610 Sports Radio uh, with you each and every Thursday night from 6 until 7 o'clock. And let's start it the same way we do each and every week, and that is with the five biggest storylines from camp. Number five, in my opinion, is the young pitching. I know that's been the biggest story of the first three weeks of this show. First three weeks, every time we get to number one, it's about that young pitching. But this week, man, plenty of other aspects of this 2021 Royals team coming to the forefront, pushing those young starting pitchers to number five. Now, Brad Keller pitched yesterday and was terrific, but Brad Keller, in my opinion, has done too much in the big leagues to be lumped in with the rest of these quote-unquote young starters. Yes, he's young, and yes, he's a starter, uh, but he has too many skins on the wall, as they say, for me to lump him in with the rest of the 2018 and 19 draft class. Brad Keller's in a uh, in a category more... More like a, a Mike Miner and a Danny Duffy, guys where, and I need, I need to see at game one. I'm not too interested in what you do in spring training. You've done enough at the big league level. What are you doing when the games matter most? But as far as those young pitchers, uh, guys like Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich, the pair of lefties, they, uh, you know, over the past week, they've suffered from sh- some uh, shaky defense behind them. Uh, Also, some frustration within themselves. Chris Bubich looked much better today against the Milwaukee Brewers. Jackson Kowar yesterday looked as good as I've ever seen him. Now, uh, I'll remind you, I've only really been able to lay eyes on Jackson Kowar last year during spring training and then summer camp and now this year during spring training. But yesterday with uh, the stuff he was showing, Uh, That was impressive. That works uh, without question coming out of a bullpen. And if you could do that consistently to a lineup, yes, that would work out of the rotation. So uh, a great performance yesterday from Jackson Coar. Solid performance today from Chris Bubich. And then Brady Singer, cool as ever. Uh, A tough first inning on Monday, but he's able to put together uh, back-to-back scoreless frames. And overall, three innings of one-run baseball. Brady Singer once again looks to be the leader of that 2018 draft class. So with a full week of Cactus League games now in the books, in my opinion, the fourth biggest storyline at Royal Spring Training was, well, still pitching, but this time the bullpen. The bullpen and the battle for those final few spots. In my opinion, there are six spots locked up in this Royals bullpen. Uh, Greg Holland has one of them, and Greg Holland has looked sensational. Scott Barlow and Jesse Hahn, they have another two, and they look good to go. Kyle Zimmer, Jacob Junis, they've been fine this spring. I think they're locks to make this squad, as well as Josh Stallman, who is coming along slow through a B game earlier today as he, uh, he, he started spring a little bit later than the rest of his teammates for undisclosed reasons. Um, we all know in this crazy time... Uh, if if there's a need to sit a young man down, if he's not feeling right, you do just that. So Josh Stalmont's on his way back, and if he is indeed ready come opening day, you can go ahead and guarantee that he'll be on this team. But I will mention, uh, would it be opposed to bringing him along slowly? There's no need to rush because 
the final three spots in that bullpen would, as I see it, ideally fall to veterans like Wade Davis, Brad Brock, Irvin Santana. Veterans that can take some early season innings. And, you know, if they break down over the course of a 162-game season, that's understandable. But the Royals have guys like Tyler Zuber, Richard Lovelady, Jake Newberry, to name a few that can come up and supplant um, a Wade Davis, a Brad Brock, an Irvin Santana. As Mike Matheny has said countless times this spring, depth from the rotation, depth from your pitching staff is as important as ever coming off that 60-game truncated 2020 season. The top three storylines from this week at Royal Spring Training as I see them, Number three, Adalberto Mondesi. Number two, the offense. We'll get deeper into this offense and the big-time numbers they've put up in spring and can put up in the regular season. We'll get to that coming up momentarily, as well as our biggest storyline this week at camp, which was uh, the former number two overall draft pick, Bobby Witt Jr., Uh, He is human, by the way, one for three today with a pair of punch outs, made an error in the field, but that's not going to cloud the tremendous spring that he's had thus far at the age of just 20. More on Bobby Witt Jr. coming up a little bit later on in the show. Bobby, as you know, hit a home run earlier this week, 484 feet, but that might only be the second longest home run we've seen from a Royal thus far in spring training. And It's my pleasure right now to bring on Royals outfielder Nick Heath. He joins us here on Vern's Hot Stove. And and Nick, I I mentioned that home run that that Bobby Witt Jr. hit because you were in attendance when Suli Matias hit a palm tree in in, in Goodyear, Arizona, that you took to Twitter and said was 520 feet. Is that correct? Uh, in my humble opinion, yes, it was 520 feet. Man, I don't think I've ever seen a, I don't think I've ever seen somebody hit a ball that far in my entire life. So, um, if it wouldn't have hit that palm tree, man, I feel like it might have cleared the scoreboard. You know, it looked like it was going to. So, 520 is my guesstimate. They said they lost it on the track, man, but I think I got a pretty good eye. Man, there, there's a lot of freaks in that clubhouse. I mean, your speed, <laughs> Suli Matias's power. Is Matias, does he have the freakiest power in that clubhouse? Uh, honestly, man, yeah, <laughs> probably so. Um, when you look at Soler and you see, man, the way that he hits some of those baseballs, and then you get to watch Matias do the same, and even his miss hits are homers that guys like me don't hit on our best day, uh, man, you kind of just got to be in awe, and I I can't think of a lot of people uh, who are on the, who hit BP on the same field that he does who don't stop and watch him instead of you know paying attention to other things. So when that guy's in the cage, you definitely got a lot of heads turning and a lot of loud noises. Royals outfielder Nick Heath is our guest on Vern's Hot Stove here on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. So, man, how much fun are you having this spring? Fans are back in the ballpark. You're back with the guys. It appears as if we might have a normal season ahead of us. How much fun you having? Man, I, the, the, the feel that we're having this spring uh, compared to, you know, previous springs, is hot. I, it's hard to explain, man. You kind of just show up. And uh, Skip said it the first couple of days of camp. He was like, man, you look around and you see a bunch of different guys. Man, there's a different feel. There's a different kind of buzz. There's a different 
you know, like electricity in the air, you know, when you walk through and guys are hitting, guys are, you know, turning double plays, doing early work before our games. Uh, the way guys shag, the way guys, you know, executing bunts and hitting runs and all the different type of stuff we got to do day in and day out. And man, it, it, it almost seems like, I don't know, man, like a bug hit the whole squad at the same time and everybody's just kind of uplifting each other. Everybody's pushing, pulling for each other. And man, you show up to the park each and every day. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what type of atmosphere we're going to have, but you always know everybody next to you is going to bring it. So, um, it kind of brings out the best of everybody. Uh, you look to their left and you look to your right, and each one of those guys is, you know, figuring out how they can get a little bit better for the game or figuring out how they can get a little bit better for the season. And guys, you know, bouncing questions and ideas and all types of stuff off of each other. Uh, the coaches, man, they, they show up every day. We have team meetings. A different coach speaks every day for the most part and kind of, you know, gives us something to go off of and kind of fires us up. And maybe you walk out onto the field and, and, and it's almost like the first day of spring training over and over and over again, man. You never know what you're going to get. Everybody's got a huge smile on their faces. So, uh, man, this spring, I, mean, I feel like people can tell we came to play. And, you know, we got a squad out there. We're trying to put a squad out there every day. And, uh, and guys don't want to go kick butt and take names. I think a lot of fans would be interested in the balance that a player, that, that all players, yourself included, that you need um like how would you explain because because you're describing a great clubhouse right now and that's what every team needs but there's also competition going on between you guys as you vie for one of those 26 man roster spots so how do you balance the uh man i want to have a good time i want to be a good teammate but i also want to win a job here and i don't want you to win it i if you want me to be perfectly honest with you man um as much as, you know, you would kind of think that's the dynamic, there are moments where the guys that, you know, I may be in competition with or guys that, you know, may be in competition on the infield or behind the plate or on the bunt. Like, me and Michael Taylor were out in center field the other day talking about different ways to go get baseballs. Um, you know, he, he looks off baseballs, and when I say looks off baseballs, I mean when a ball's hit, kind of gauges his spot of where it's going to be, and then he's head down and he's running, and he's like, all right, I'm going to get close to my spot. I'm going to find the ball again, and then we'll go from there. And I had never done that as an outfielder. I always just kind of took off, watched the ball all the way in. And for the most part, I usually got to my spot. There weren't, you know, very many instances where, you know, I misjudge it or, or mess anything up. And for the last week or so, Mikey's like, hey, try uh, looking off baseballs and see how much quicker you get to your spot. So the last couple of days, I'm looking off baseball, and I'm like, dang, dog, I got plenty of time. Like, I'm at my spot way quicker. So, um, you know, you're saying there, there's got to be a balance of the competition aspect and the pulling for each other aspect. I think the competition comes out when we start playing games, but when we're at practice and everybody's together before we, you know, before you know, we go see somebody else. Man, it's just constantly trying to get the guy next to you to be as good as he can because you know that he's going to want to do the same for you. So no matter who it is in our outfield group, no matter who it is in our BP group, everybody's always got something to say. It's always positive. It's always, have you tried this? Uh, you look really good today doing this, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, the competition is kind of a natural aspect. But I think at this point, and everybody's kind of realizing it, man, we want to win. And we don't care who's out there doing it as long as, you know, um, you know, we got a winning squad. And everything kind of falls under if you go out there and do your job and trust the guy behind you and trust the guy next to you, that everything's going to fall into place exactly how it's supposed to. And I think that's exactly how the spring is going for us.
Uh, like you said, we definitely have competition, but you definitely have a lot of guys pulling for each other and wanting to see the and see the person next to them or in front of them or behind them in the lineup get the job done. If we got a guy on first base, we got to get him over. You can see the way that the people in the dugout are pulling for that guy to get him over and the next guy to get him in and so on and so forth. So we kind of got a next man up mentality, but everybody's pulling in the same direction. I think that's going to keep this train rolling. No doubt. Royals outfielder Nick Heath joining us on 610 Sports Radio. Let's let's go through that clubhouse. Uh, take us in there because guys like myself were not allowed in there. Fans obviously not allowed in there. Um, all right, so so we walk in the clubhouse. If, if you're going to direct me to uh, the teammate that has the most fashion sense, where are you pointing me? The teammate that has the most fashion sense? That's right. Well, I mean, depends on your kind of fashion. Do you like, do you like luxury streetwear? Do you like guys coming in in camo? Uh, I honestly, don't have man, show money, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, honestly, man, I'm going to give the best fashion to Stalmont. He's always got a well-put-together outfit. Everything always matches. There's nothing too flashy. He's never like, coming in here like, hey, man, having an off day. No, Stalmont's always got something nice on. Uh, Salvi always comes in pretty nice. Uh, our Latin players tend to come in. Uh, you know, it's a nice pair of Jays on or some Yeezys or something like that. So if you're looking for the fashionable side of the locker room, you're definitely looking on the position player side, which is to the right when you walk in. <laughs> and you mm-hmm. can pretty much find somebody with, uh, you know, like a nice bag, a nice pair of shoes. Somebody's got, you know, a nice a nice shirt on, a nice little outfit put together. So the fashionable side is definitely on the right side of the locker room. All right. Um who in there would you say acts older than they are? Who acts younger than they are? Who acts older than they are? Wow, that's a great one. You know what? I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give uh, Bobby Witt his credit when I say that when you see that kid, you do not know that he is a 20 year old kid, man. You look at him and he doesn't say a ton, you know, but he's goofy. You can kind of tell he's still a kid, but he doesn't say a ton. Um, you know, he's really, really mature, not only in the baseball aspect, but when in the conversation aspect. He's not, you know, overly loud. He doesn't scream or anything like that. But when you talk to him, you're like, man, this kid's kind of got to figure it out in a lot of different aspects. So I'm going to say he's the one who acts older than he is, just from a maturity standpoint. And somebody who acts younger than they, <laughs> than they are probably me, man. And I've gotten to meet Dyson over the last couple of days, got to, uh, got to kick it with him. Duffy is <laughs> Duffy's the goofiest person I've ever met. You got a lot of guys in there who, you know, got a little bit of time in the league. Um, you know, got some vet guys, but man, they're they're we're all kids at heart. So you definitely got some guys in there. I'm gonna give that. Uh, I'm gonna give that kind of Duffy. Actually, younger than he is, but you only say that because he's goofy, man. He's he's such a good time. He always keeps everything light. Always got a smile on his face. Always, you know, saying hey to everybody. You know, making sure, you know, people got, you know, their A game going. He's cheering people up. So, uh, Duffy's probably our clubhouse guy, but uh, Witt is definitely uh, the, the the one who acts older than he is. Mm-hmm. No question. Um, well, you mentioned Gerard Dyson. What was your reaction when the team brought him in? To be honest, man, I was excited. I was pretty pumped. You know, that's, that's kind of the uh, – that's kind of the blueprint for guys who run bases in our organization. And, you know, uh, I'm kind of learning, uh, you know, a little bit each and every day from him in the couple of days that he's been here with us. Uh, man, I just pick his brain. And, then I, you know, I get to talk to him and 
he gives us a lot of stories. And, and instead of asking questions, man, you kind of just listen. You know, he's been around for a little while, and he's definitely known his way around the organization. So, uh, man, you kind of just listen. Uh, and he got a whole bunch of different stories, a bunch of different experiences that, you know, some stuff that you might and some stuff that I might not have seen yet or experienced yet. And he's kind of giving me a little feedback without even knowing I'm listening. So, uh, and being around Dice is awesome. And, you know, kind of getting to understand his game a little bit. Uh, obviously, I try to steal a little thing from him here and there, uh, just in terms of, you know, how he played the game, how he's been around for so long. Um, you know, the different things he's learned from different teams. So having Dice around, man, that's dope. And, and it's really exciting to get to sit down and talk to him and understand that, you know, somebody um, whom this organization has really, really had high praise for, um, you know, being around him and kind of seeing how he meshes with everybody that he used to play with, even though he hasn't been around for a little bit, is pretty cool. So, uh, man, Dice in the clubhouse is awesome. I love it. Nick Heath is our guest, Royals outfielder on 610 Sports Radio. Let, let's talk a little bit more about you. Uh, pandemic aside, how was this offseason different, seeing that you were able to accomplish a major goal last year in, in making it to the big leagues? Uh, man, I think that kind of made me work a little bit harder, you know? Um, getting there. Getting there is one thing, and you always hear a lot of guys saying, man, I want to get to the league, I want to get to the league. And then the guys who have been there for a while, their thought process was, once I get here, I want to stay here. I don't want to just tell you that I made it but didn't do anything with it. And I think, man, the the thought process during the off season was big for me in terms of what am I going to do to be able to keep my body healthy through a 162-game season. Uh, you know, if we have that, hopefully we do. Uh, what can I do to, you know, take that next step forward coming off of last season, uh, having some learning experiences, um, you know, being in somewhere where, you know, there's kind of a little more pressure on you. And I wouldn't even necessarily say on you, but, you know, we had a 60-game season, so, you know, you don't have as much time to kind of figure uh, figure things out. You kind of got to hit the ground running. So uh, this off season was the opportunity for me to sit down and kind of recap what was going on, things that I can work on. I got the opportunity to – talk to my coaching staff a little bit more and figure out what I could do to be a better player and whatever I could do to help this squad out. So this offseason, it was a lot of focus on uh, putting the ball in play more, uh, being able to be more effective on the bases, being able to be ready at any given moment because you never know what's going to happen to who on a baseball field. So uh, just kind of learning that and learning, you know, the travel and, and the toll that it takes on your body, how to manage that, how to maintain that. Eating healthier, man, I'm doing whatever I can possibly do to uh, be in a Royals uniform 162 games. That's great to hear. I, I wonder, uh, when you're making your debut, how much of last season when you were with the club, how much of it is a blur? Do you just have snapshots, or do you remember uh, large chunks of that debut? All right, so my debut is more snapshots. It's more just, like, I couldn't tell you what I ate for breakfast that day. I couldn't even tell you what they told me right before I went in. And to be honest with you, I probably couldn't even tell you who was on first base or who was on second base, who was hitting them like that. I just remember I just remember my first step out of the dugout, and I was like, oh, my God, bro, I'm on a big league <laughs> during the season. And then I got... And then I got to second base, and I'm looking around. I'm like, bro, no way this is going on right now. Like, this is not happening. It was so cool. It was so cool. So I get a lot of snapshots of that. But after my first couple of days, um, 
you know, just kind of getting into a routine and kind of understanding how everything works, you know, kind of my place on the totem pole and, and figuring out, you know, when I got to be outside, what I got to do to prepare my workouts and so on and so forth. The food is better. The travel is better. Everything is better. So, uh, man, kind of just embracing that and taking it, you know, one day at a time and understanding that being in the big leagues is a lot of fun and you can't put too much pressure on yourself. But uh, for my debut, there's a lot of snapshots. But, you know, the the time coming after that, man, I pretty much got everything, you know, remembered pretty vividly. So, um, man, that, 2020 was awesome. And, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to have a full season. But I'm hoping, uh, hoping that, you know, this season brings a lot more memories and, you know, a lot more time on the baseball field. No doubt. Got a lot of years ahead of you. Nick, one, one final thing. Uh, your Twitter profile says that you're a depressed Atlanta Falcons fan. Um, oh, don't do it to me, bro. Man, no, hey, I can say this. I grew up as a Detroit Lions fan. Uh, my my question for you is, why not just jump shit, man? Just say, forget it. I'm done with these Falcons. You got Patrick Mahomes now in your backyard. Man, what, what kind of fan would I be if I just left my squad, though, you know? They haven't I mean, done I, anything I for you. I know they haven't done absolutely anything for me, but it's cool, man. One of these days they're going to, and me and you are going to look back on this conversation and go, you know what? I'm, I, I know you're glad you stuck around, right? I can't just, I, mean, I can't quit. If that my happens, you, can, you, get, you get a show for yourself. I'll give you the whole hour. Oh, if I, hey, listen, we're going to mess around and win a Super Bowl soon. I just hope, you know, we draft Justin Fields. We'll see how that works out, though. Got my fingers okay. crossed. Okay. Yeah, you draft him, you might have something because he's a ball player. Hey, uh, <laughs> Nick Heath, Royals outfielder, I always appreciate the chats, man. Thank you very much for the honesty and the time. Man, I always appreciate you guys having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you guys. There you go. Royals outfielder Nick Heath, we stay in the outfield. We talk with Kyle Isbell when we get back. Burns Hot Stove on 610 Sports Radio. Brought to you by Google Fiber. Internet from an internet company. Check out google.com slash fiber. Back with you, Vern's Hot Stove on your home for Royals baseball. 610 Sports Radio, I'm Josh Vernier, 610's Royals insider. I gave you the top five storylines this week at camp, and, you know, as we, we dive in deeper to this bullpen, and, you know, I mentioned you want the veterans to eat up those final three bullpen spots. You want Wade Davis, you want... Uh, Brad Brock, you want Irvin Santana to take those spots and to give you whatever is left in their right arms. And then when and if uh, they pull up lame at any point in the season, you have reserves. There's plenty of pitching in the organization. Um, And again, inventory is so key. Depth is so very key in 2021. It it does have me thinking, um, as as I look at my roster projection, and you're going to keep... Uh, on opening day, I would think at most 13 pitchers, right? You're not going to need your fifth starter until we're more than a week into the season. It has me thinking, because um, if there's six spots locked up, Holland, Barlow, Jesse Hahn, Kyle Zimmer, Jacob Junis, and Josh Stallmont, along with Brady Singer, Brad Keller, Danny Duffy, and Mike Miner, that's 10 spots. That's 10 spots right there. So now you have to wonder, all right, so if you give it to Brock, you give it to Wade Davis, and you give it to Irvin Santana, is it possible 
that maybe Chris Bubich starts the season um, at the alternate site and when and if the team needs him as the fifth starter. He joins the ball club a week, two weeks, three weeks into the regular season. That's something to keep your eye on Uh, because Wade Davis has looked very good. Brad Brock has looked very good. Uh, And all of those locks I mentioned, those guys have been, in my opinion, sensational. Uh, But we are in a position, and it's a good position to be in in 2021, where a majority of the members of the 26-man roster, or at least the roster that we believe will be there on opening day, that a large majority of those 26 players can't prove us or can't prove anything to us in spring training. You know what I mean. Like Adalberto Mondesi, I mentioned him earlier. He's the third biggest storyline this week at camp because, yes, even though he has only seven at-bats, he is squaring everything up. He doesn't have a single punch out. Uh, Three hits, three hard-hit balls, looks fantastic on the base paths, looks tremendous defensively. Uh, He's taken the extra base, which to me says that he's, uh, he's just reacting. He's playing free. Uh, he's having fun out there. Uh, that Those are the things that I read into, body language. But as far as production, statistics, uh, you know, Adalberto Mondesi, Nicky Lopez, Hunter Dozier, Jorge Soler, Brad Keller, even a Brady Singer, man, those guys, in my opinion, um, have done enough in their career and have such heightened expectations for this season that the numbers that they put up in spring training don't really resonate with me. And I think that's why we're seeing so much love and and so many bouquets being thrown the way of of Bobby Witt Jr. from a lot of people in Kansas City is because you didn't know much about him prior to spring training. Sure, you knew he was a top-five pick, But you didn't have real expectations. So he can impress you. He can surprise you in spring training. Guys like Adalberto Mondesi, you know what he's capable of. And many people need to see it come game one and over the course of a six-month regular season. We'll dive deeper into this offense coming up in just a moment. But a guy that got nice at the plate yesterday, 421 feet, uh, Touching them all yesterday, had some nice ABs today, uh, drew a walk. Uh, I don't know if he always agreed with the home plate umpire. I don't blame him. Joining us right now, Royals outfielder Kyle Isbell. Kyle, thank you very much for the time tonight. Thank you. So so what's it like being back in front of fans, something that uh, you know we haven't seen in more than a year? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's amazing, honestly. I think that's one of the greatest parts about this game is to play in front of fans because at one point in time, we were all there at some place being fans. And uh, just being able to play in front of them again is, uh, is amazing. Do you remember your first trip to a big league ballpark as a fan? Yes, I do. It was actually uh, a funny story. kind of talked about it a little bit last year, but... Uh, my first big league game was against the Kansas City Royals, and uh, I got Alex Gordon's signature. It was pretty funny. It was a joke in spring training last year. But, uh, yeah, it was my first experience. 
I need you to expand on that. What, what stadium are we at? And uh, how many people did you have to fight to get an autograph? Um, it was actually uh, on, the, on the backfield. It was on the practice field when uh, he was playing third base at the time. And I was young. I, I don't really remember all the details, but I remember him coming up to the fence and uh, I threw him over a ball and he signed it and threw it back. That was pretty cool. Well, speaking of him, um, and like I mentioned, you hit a bomb yesterday and your offensive numbers have been solid uh, when healthy throughout your career. But uh, a lot of people listening likely recognize the name from the diving catches you made in left field last year during spring training, the miraculous catches you were making over at the alternate site in KCK last season and when you do those things in left field in a Royals uniform of course the Alex Gordon comparisons are going to be made Uh, what do you make of that of people even mentioning your name with Alex Gordon yeah um, that that guy's amazing Uh, I had the honor the last two years to meet him and uh, the humility of him what kind of person he is off the field is pretty incredible so I'm not really going to compare myself to him, but uh, definitely a guy I look up to and uh, I strive to uh, do what he did. Royals outfielder Kyle Isbell is our guest. He's one of the top prospects in the Royals organization. Joining us from Surprise, Arizona, got the start today in Maryvale, Arizona, as the Royals knocked off the Milwaukee Brewers. Kyle, I'll tell you what, man, Mike Matheny, uh, we get a chance to talk with him every day. Uh, He raves about your, well, just ability first and foremost, but also your ability to to pick up on adjustments, uh, your aptitude, uh, how you think the game. And that, to me, screams someone that, and if you if you think about the game the way that Mike Matheny feels like he needs to point out, uh, that means you love this game. I would have. Th- does that sound like you? Yeah, I would. I would agree. Uh, I don't. I don't really think my way out of things. Or I try not to think too much at some times. But um, I'm definitely a student of the game and. There's not a day that goes by where I can't pick up something new and learn something new to take for myself and and better me as a player. So for people listening, how would you describe yourself as a ball player? You know, I'm mentioning Matheny's admiration for your ability. I'm I'm, I'm talking about an Alex Gordon comparison. Uh, I I know you to be a very humble young man, but, but how would you describe yourself to the Royals fan? Um... Royals fans, I mean, just gonna, I'm going to go out there and give it my all every day, day in and day out, and um, I'm going to be the best teammate to everybody around me, and at the end of the day, I want to win. That's my main goal. So what did your journey look like? Uh, who helped you get to where you're at today? Um, it's really my dad, um, my, my parents both. Uh, raised my two sisters, and they both played softball, so uh, I ended up always being around the softball field, uh, playing wiffle ball with all the other kids and stuff, and uh, my, my dad really brought me into the game. I started playing t-ball when I was two years old, and the the t was taller than I was, and uh, that's where it all started. 
Kyle Isbell, Royals outfielder, joining us on 610 Sports Radio. Man, I mentioned being back in front of the fans. You appear to be a player that feeds off of that kind of energy. Is that true? Yes. Uh, just the energy in the stadium is just different. And uh, I'm speaking for all the players. We miss that. We miss the fans. And we miss everything about the energy that they bring into the stadium. When were you the most amped on a baseball field? Is it collegiate? Is it minor league baseball? Was there a moment that, that comes to mind where, boy, that heart was really pumping? Um, I mean, two years in a row, really. Um, I was fortunate enough to be with a great group of guys. Uh, we won in low A in Lexington championship and a championship in high A in Wilmington. And those guys were amazing. And uh, those games in the playoffs, there's, there's nothing like that. Um, the playoffs are championship. There's emotion scrambling everywhere. There's fans yelling. And there's... There's nothing like playing in the playoffs, and that's something that I really look forward to because that's what I thrive on is emotion. Well, let's let, let's talk about those seasons real quick. You're drafted in 18, and you rake right out of the gate. You play very well in 2019, but a handmade bone injury takes a few months of your season away. I, I wonder, though, what were you able to prove to yourself in that first full season of 2019? Um, it's just, just being consistent, and um, I mean, there's just so many different ways in this game, which I think is the best game out there, because you get to learn something new every day, and you get to better yourself, and baseball, different than other sports, are, it's different every single day. There's a new guy throwing, you're facing different guys, different teams, and it's just fun, man. It's fun to compete and uh, go out there with all your buddies and give it your all. So how about last year then? When you're at the alternate site competing against uh, your buddies, uh, how did you get better last year? Um, I mean, we got some of the, the best young arms, I believe, in all of baseball. And um, those are amazing guys. And being able to face them day in and day out, that just... It makes them better, and it makes you better. It was a competition every single day, and you couldn't take any days off because those guys would get you. And uh, it was really fun to watch them pitch. It was really fun to watch other guys play. And uh, I think we just all got better as a whole. There was a lot of growth last year, I believe. Who was your favorite pitcher uh, to battle? My favorite pitcher, probably Lynch. Um, sure, and him. Went back back and forth a lot. Uh, he's, he's the real deal. He's going to be really good for us. And uh, I've just got to say, I'm glad he's on my team. <laughs> no question, Kyle Isbell. Just a few more minutes with the Royals outfielder on 610 Sports Radio. Man, it's uh, it's refreshing to hear your, your attitude and your humility uh, when your first two full professional seasons, I mean, ripe with obstacles from an injury you can do nothing about to obviously a pandemic you can do nothing about. Do you think you're a better person or player, or do you think you're better prepared because of those two seasons? Um, I, I would say so. There's a lot of adversity we had to face these last couple of years, a lot of things that 
Um, obviously, the injury is not expected. You never want that, but it happens. And pandemic, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But, um, yeah, a lot of things were thrown my way, all of our ways. And uh, it's just things that you persevere through, and you just keep going and get better, whether it's off the field, on the field. They took the baseball away from us for a little bit, but uh, gave us a chance to be with our family and friends. And there's just always time for being a good person and making everyone around you better. I'll tell you what, man, you, you've gotten so many lessons at such a, a young age. I mean, you got the lesson of it's a business uh, just a few weeks ago as a longtime teammate and I would imagine friend in Khalil Lee was was traded away. Uh, what was your reaction to that news? Um, I, I was right. Um, he's, a, he's an amazing ball player, and I know he's going to do really well over there with the Mets. Um, it, it really shocked me, and it was, it was sad to see him go, but there's big things coming his way, and uh, I just wish him nothing but the best. No doubt. And when a team makes a move like that, that's also them, you know, uh, giving you a thumbs up saying, you know, we still believe in, in you. you. You and Khalil were in competition to crack a big league roster coming up soon. Um, I wonder how you view the, the competition uh, currently going on in camp in the outfield. Oh, it's a competition every day. It's uh... It's a dogfight within yourself. It's a dogfight with uh, other players. But the coolest thing about it is, is you know if you're pushing the guy in front of you or behind you, they're getting better as well. And uh, I think that's what really makes a good team is when you're able to push other players to make them better and they're able to push you and make you better. So what kind of vote of confidence or what kind of messages are you receiving from the organization? Because everyone that I talk to, they're, they're very high on your ability and your future. Uh, do you feel that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm going out there every day, man, and I'm just, it's a blessing. Um, it's so fun being around everyone and just, being in big league camp around those guys, learning from our coaches, and just waiting on my opportunity. So now how does, uh, to, to, to finish this thing off, uh, how does one enjoy an off night in Arizona knowing that there isn't work tomorrow? <laughs> it's good. Uh, we, we've been getting after it. Uh, these first couple of weeks have been great. Uh, everyone's been playing well. We're off to a hot start, and it's just, a good day to give the body a rest. Uh, we've been going for a while now, and um, it'll be good to have a day off. So is it pool weather out there, or is it just video game weather? Um, it's, it's good weather. Um, it, it, I think it's supposed to rain a little bit tomorrow, but, I mean, you can't beat Arizona weather. It's 75 in the morning and 75 at night. <laughs> You'll take so that great. every day of the week. Uh, Kyle Isbell, Royals outfield, outfielder. Uh, kind enough to join us. Uh, Kyle, thank you very much for the time, man. I know it's a busy day playing in a game and then jumping on the phone to do this, but uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. There you go. Uh, Royals outfielder and top 10 prospect in the organization, Kyle Isbell coming to a Kauffman Stadium near you very soon.
A quick timeout. Some new rules in Major League Baseball might be coming to a Kauffman Stadium near you very soon. We'll get to that coming up next. Burns Hot Stove on 610 Sports Radio. Brought to you by Google Fiber. Internet from an internet company. Check out google.com slash fiber. Welcome back to Tom Stove on your home for Royals Baseball 610 Sports Radio. Went through the five biggest storylines as we do each and every week to open the show. Five biggest storylines this week from camp. Bobby Witt Jr., number one, the Royals offense, number two, Adalberto Mondesi, number three, the bullpen battle at number four, and the young pitching, the young starting pitching coming in this week at Number five, I mentioned the Royals offense there at number two. Salvador Perez uh, tagging another one today, his third home run of spring. The Royals now with 12 home runs, or excuse me, 23 home runs in 12 games. 16 different Royals have gone deep thus far in Cactus League action. But like I mentioned, just about everyone in the opening day starting lineup, which I think we all agree is all but set. I don't know if there's anyone. In fact, yes, I do. Th- there's no one that can win me over or get me excited by what they do in spring training. Salvi, Santana, Nicky, Hanser Alberto, Adalberto Mondesi, Hunter Dozier, uh, Michael A. Taylor, Gerard Dyson, Jorge Soler. No. Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benatendi, no. April 1st against the Texas Rangers, that's when we start getting excited about this lineup. Same thing with the rotation. Singer, Keller, Duffy, Miner. They're not going to get me excited in spring because the organization has let you know, the players have let you know the expectation this year is winning. I don't care that much about winning in Arizona. It's better to win than lose, and they won today against Milwaukee, but you get the point. Which is why, once again, the infatuation with Bobby Witt Jr. is so understandable. He's someone that can excite us. Kyle Isbell, another one, a guy that can excite us by what they do in spring training because we haven't seen them at the big league level, and we don't have big league expectations for them yet for 2021 so whatever they do right now oh my god now they get you thinking about what they could possibly do at the big league level that's what spring training's about spring training's not about uh, salvi and mondesi wit and keller speaking of that opening day roster um some news as the royals uh moved out what 27 players just moments ago, Scott Blewett and Ronald Bolaños, Mabrice Valoria, Edward Olivares, all of them option to Omaha. And then a handful of players assigned a minor league camp, including Jonathan Bolin, Austin Cox, John Heasley, Asa Lacey, Alec Marsh, all uh, big names starting pitchers for the future of this organization. Other names include MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, Nick Lofton, Jason Guzman, Suli Matias, and Eric Pena. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. still in big league camp. Kyle Isbell still in big league camp. Daniel Lynch, Jackson Kowar still in big league camp. But as I mentioned, 
some new rules could be coming to a ballpark near you fairly soon. As a matter of fact, if you're an Omaha Storm Chaser fan, you'll notice this year, larger bases. That's right, AAA Baseball has or will attempt to reduce player injuries and collisions at the back. The size of first base, second base, and third base will increase from 15 inches square uh, to 18 inches. That's smart. You know, in fact, I'd be a fan of, you know, first base, uh, having almost two first base, one in fair territory, one in foul territory, like you see in beer league softball, because we don't need guys running into one another at first base. That's what I would do. A defensive positioning, new rules at double A. Defensive team must have four players on the infield, two on each side of second base. High A baseball, they're going to limit. You're only allowed to step off the mound twice during an at-bat. Pickoff limitations, pitch timers, and automated balls and strikes coming to low A minor league baseball. Bravo baseball. I'm a fan of all these except for the pickoff limitation. Pitch timers, stepping off, defensive positioning, and larger bases. Slowly but surely... Major League Baseball doing the right thing. It takes us a while. Give us a break. Coming up next, Jay Binkley. Bink at night right here in your home for Royals Baseball. 610 Sports Radio. I'll talk to you next Thursday at 6 o'clock on 610.